0: You're listening to SBS on the Money
1: with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, the Reserve Bank says mortgage stress is on the rise. Oil prices decline, so when will motorists benefit? And all eyes as US tonight. This is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 6th of October 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Tony Sycamore from IG Markets. But first, let's have a look at oil and petrol prices, because petrol prices should really be easing because the global oil price has declined more than 10% in about a week. Why? And when will motorists see those benefits? For all of that, Rainer Bosch spoke with Vivek Da, He's a commodities analyst at the Commonwealth Bank.
2: Well, look, what we've seen happen, and really where we saw the major price drop happen this week, was there was data release out of the US, which indicated that US gasoline demand or petrol demand had really weakened, and weakened to levels that we haven't seen seasonally for about 25 years. So the market saw that as, okay, high fuel prices are hurting US fuel demand. And this really fed into a narrative that had already been building for, for probably a few weeks following the, the, federal, the, the Federal Reserve meeting, where they had actually indicated that we're going to see in the US high interest rates for longer. Now, everyone was worried that demand is is now going to be in question over the next you know, 12 months. And seeing a weak data print happen for for petrol in the U.S. just fed into this idea. And this is what, what tends to happen is financial markets set the scene. And then when you see some data almost confirm the financial market bias, prices move quickly. And, and that's really what we've seen happen over the last week is we've seen oil plummet you know, in that $10 barrel range just simply because we've seen this, this change in expectations.
1: Now, we know that oil prices have a major effect on petrol. What are you expecting to happen there?
2: When it comes to petrol, it, it takes probably two to three weeks to to flow through, but it's been volatile. So different places, you know, may, we may initially actually see prices lift and then fall on the back of this. The good news for Australia is that we haven't seen the Australian dollar f- fall materially. So, you know, the oil fall has been bigger than any drop in, in the Aussie. And that means that we're likely to realize some of these lower fuel prices. The real question, though, if we're thinking past, I guess, the next few weeks, is how sustainable are fuel prices at current levels? And my concern, though, is that the Australian dollar can still weaken further. And I say that because iron ore prices, which is a major export for Australia, is holding about levels that we don't think are sustainable, around that 120 dollars a ton. If that does shift lower to 100 dollars a ton, we could see the Australian dollar weaken further, and that would mean we kind of cement ourselves in this 2 dollars a ten, sorry, 2 dollars 10 to 2 dollars 20 a liter for petrol.
1: Now I know that you said it takes about two to three weeks for those prices to flow through, but do you expect retailers to respond as quickly?
2: this is going to be the big question. It it is going to be challenging and hard to really pinpoint because it depends when do different uh, petrol stations run out of their fuel stocks. So what we typically see is the, the city petrol stations will respond quicker because they see quicker inventory cycles, whereas regional areas are a bit slower. So they are lagged. But given that it's kind of zigzag it's going to be quite challenging to see exactly how this plays out right now. Um, So it'll be volatile, but I think overall in the next two to three weeks, people will at least see some benefit. Uh, But the question is, will it hold up with that Aussie dollar?
1: Finally, Vivek, I know that you talked to the Australian dollar there, but we also have uh, Russia and the OPEC nations kind of playing into decisions as we move ahead. What are you expecting to happen in terms of the oil prices in the longer term?
2: So, look, our, our view of what's happening with the global economy is that we should see a slowdown uh, globally And in advanced economies in particular, we should start seeing the labour market loosen, and that should set the scene for oil demand to start falling. And that's the story for early 2024. And that's why we actually think that's when relief will really come, e- even for Australians. But when it comes to what is happening on the supply side, that has been the major driver of oil price action. And given that that we've heard Iraq's prime minister already come out in late September and say that, you know, they want nothing less than $85 to $95 a barrel, and the fact that if you estimate how much Saudi Arabia needs for oil to be break even on their fiscal budgets of around $95 a barrel, it really does lend itself that we could see more supply side intervention to keep oil prices elevated. Now, it doesn't look likely just now. I think we're just waiting for this volatility to, to play out. But this is a risk, you know, not just in 2024, but in in following years, as we start seeing this EV transition take more aggressively is what does OPEC plus do with supply side? And this is why it's 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 really something to watch, because they control about forty percent of global supply, and what they do will really determine just what prices we're paying at the pump for the next few years.
1: That's Vivek Da there from the Commonwealth Bank speaking <laughs> with Rainer Bosch. From petrol prices, let's now go to the housing market because we heard from the Reserve Bank today, which released its financial stability review. In it in the report. It said that about 5% of variable rate borrowers are seeing their essential cost of living expenses exceed income, placing them at or near mortgage stress. For more on that, I spoke with the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank's chief economist, David Robertson, but first asked him to take a, a general look at the financial stability review seems more focused on the macro or international environment as the key risks to financial stability. Would that be fair to say and why?
3: Yeah, I think that is the case. And look, I do think it's right for the RBA to keep a close eye on what's happening internationally. We've certainly seen a lot of volatility in the markets around China, China's financial system and around the Chinese property sector. And the work they've been doing there with policy stimulus does seem to be proving to be somewhat effective but that remains a key dependency being our largest trading partner we've also got a, an increased focus on you know the digital economy and and cyber crime and so on and uh, it's very much a, a, a digital world we live in so i think that's also correct for the rba to monitor very closely and then you know, we we can't forget that we've still got a elevated oil price. We've still got war in in Europe. Um, so the the global, um, you know, geopolitical environment remains quite influential. Uh,
1: just how concerned are they about the way both households and businesses have been dealing with these rising interest rates?
3: Yes, well, four percent of rate hikes in fourteen months. is what we were, what we got from last May through to June of this year, so a record pace, well, actually the fastest pace of policy tightening since 1985, and that's been so challenging for households, for businesses and for the broader economy. Um, of, Of course, households, fortunately, during the pandemic, were able to build pretty significant buffers. Um, But we saw in the latest GDP numbers that that household savings ratio is down to only 3.2%, so the lowest level since 2007. So clearly those buffers have been well and truly eaten into. Now, we're still seeing the situation, as the RBA pointed out, that the vast majority of borrowers are able and households are able to service the debt. Um, But of course, with every successive rate hike, that becomes tougher. And that's the thing about the blunt Tool that is monetary policy. It's very much aimed at borrowers, and you know we're we're dependent from here on how much higher interest rates go.
1: I'd love for you to put one thing into context. Uh, I know it's a, a good headline to come out of the report. I was looking through it. So and and, and just being transparent, right? The RBA does say that one in twenty variable rate. Home loan borrowers are experiencing essential cost of living expenses exceeding income. So they, I guess, either need to find more work or draw down on their savings. The problem is the RBA says that 30% of that 5% won't have any savings in about six months. Can you put all of that into context? I mean, as you say, it's a small, it's a small number of people, but in the scheme of things, what does it say about where we are?
3: I suppose the offsetting factor at the moment is just how strong labour markets are with a 3.7% unemployment rate. And, you know, we saw in that latest data that there was, uh, what was it, about a 60,000 increase in net employment. Now we're also seeing a huge rise in population growth in net migration, and that's helping to fill job vacancies. But I think that's the the trade-off that the RBA have at the moment is they're trying to manage inflation with an eye on taking some of the heat out of labour markets. They're aware of the impact on households, but they're trying to, I suppose, engineer an orderly transition from ultra low, interest rate, uh, ultra low unemployment rate to what they would consider a more neutral unemployment rate of about 4.5%. And can they do that in an orderly manner, I think is the question.
1: What about this theme about rates potentially staying high for longer?
3: Yes we do have one more hike uh, penciled into our forecasts and that's very much dependent on the path of core inflation from here. and the RBA have been very clear in communicating that it's core inflation that's their challenge getting back down to the two to three percent then, not just headline inflation, and also that should inflation remain persistent for longer that, that, that's even more damaging than the short-term impact of higher interest rates. So if you like, it's the lesser of two evils. They would prefer to take the rates say from 4.1 to 4.35 if that's going to speed up the process of getting inflation back down to target more quickly or if there's any risk of that process taking too long. Of course, the RBA have a dual mandate, not just of managing inflation, but also of trying to keep the, um, the, uh, the population fully employed. Uh, of of maximising employment and of maintaining and, and keeping as many of the job of the jobs growth that we've seen of late. Uh, however, history suggests that inflation that's unchecked is even more damaging in the longer term than um, than letting inflation um, get become unanchored and so really that's that's the the trade off that they're seeking they do have the dual mandate the question is how can they achieve sustainable jobs growth and indeed sustainable real wages growth and to achieve that you need two things you need to get inflation back down and you need an uplift in productivity the inflation piece sits with the rba the productivity piece really sits with government but that's the primary challenge we have at the moment is to get both of those things Back to where they need to be, and our view is that given the pace at which inflation is normalising, which is fairly slowly, um, that there is the risk of one more hike. And for the RBA to cut rates, they're going to need to have inflation, core inflation, back in their two to three percent band. We're not convinced that's going to happen until late twenty-four into early twenty-five, and that's why we don't have any rate cuts in our forecasts until around about November twenty-four, February twenty-five.
1: It's David Robertson there, the Chief Economist of the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money Podcast. Share market rose today, the S&P ASX 200 up 28 points or 0.4% to 6,954. For more, I spoke with Tony Sycamore, an analyst at IG Markets. The share market, right, uh, enjoying a second day of gains, but it followed some pretty decent falls in the lead up to it. Why?
0: Yeah, it's been a rocky six weeks for US equity markets and Australian equity markets because of the relentless rise in US yields. Now, overnight, we've seen a second night of stabilisation in terms of yields not going higher, which has given the US market and also our market a boost coming into the weekend. Now, whether that stabilisation in yields will continue next week will depend wholly on whether labour market tonight set to be released in the US, comes in, as expected, a little bit cooler than expected. If it is hotter than expected, get ready for a wild ride on Monday morning when the stock market
1: reopens. On our share market, what's making news?
0: There are a couple of standouts for me. The first one is Magellan, embattled uh, fund manager Magellan. Its share price has fallen 15% on news that its funds under management has dropped by 10% last month. So we were hoping to see funds under management increase Earth Magellan, but in fact, it's gone the other way and shareholders are reacting rather savagely to that news. The other interesting point for me is CBA news yesterday that their mortgage book actually shrunk. Now, shareholders are taking a positive view today with regards to the banking sector because we do know that CBA management have decided to step away from the mortgage market, which does signal potentially an end to this intense competition we've seen both in the mortgage market and also in the deposit market.
1: Okay, finally, opportunities for investors. Where are they?
0: We've been waiting patiently. The ASX 200s now fallen about 8% from its July highs, and it's still holding above the year-to-date lows, the year-to-date low, which comes in around 6,900. We think what this pullback has done is provided an opportunity for investors to position for a rebound into year end. So that is our most uh, high conviction view at this point of time, looking to get Uh, 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 some positioning on ahead of an end-of-year rally, which we think this pullback has
1: provided the opportunity to do so. Tony Sycamore there from IG Market.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation.